Amen. Go ahead and be seated. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to Galatians chapter 5. That's where we'll be in our Bible study time this morning. If you have our Journey Church International app, you can open that. Everything on the screen will be in front of you on your handheld device. If you're joining us live online, welcome. Thanks for being with us today. If you're listening at some point during the week because you couldn't make it on Sunday, thanks for taking a little time to do that. We've been in a series the last month called Supernatural. We've been trying to learn about the Holy Spirit so that we can capture the power of the Holy Spirit in our life so that we might become more like Jesus. We've learned some basic theology and doctrine. Who is the Holy Spirit? What does he do? We've learned his purpose in our life. We've learned why he gives us gifts so that we can serve each other in the church and one another in our community. Today, we're going to talk about the fruit that he produces for us. And here's why we're doing all of that, because we want to learn how to possess the strength that God wants us to have as followers of Jesus my number one goal for this series has been this, that you will learn how to hear from God, that you will learn how to hear from God, that you will learn how to hear God whispering into your heart and soul who he is, what he wants in your life, what he's doing in your life. I really want you to learn how to hear from God. And today I think I'm going to give you one of the easiest tools to make that happen. Because we're going to talk in just a minute in Galatians chapter five about the fruit of the spirit and the fruit of the spirit is going to reveal for us Areas in our life where we ignore God altogether, where the Holy Spirit is speaking, but we have just turned him to off. We're going to learn areas in our life where the Holy Spirit is speaking, and we're kind of hearing him, but we're not really paying attention. We just kind of let it go in one ear and out the other. And we're going to learn areas where we listen and do exactly what he says. You say, how are we going to do that? We're going to look in Galatians chapter 5 at the fruit of the Spirit, how we know we listen to the Holy Spirit. If you have your Bible, Galatians chapter 5. Before we jump in real quick, the goal of church is to hear from God, not hear from me. So would you bow your heads quickly and would you pray this simple prayer from your heart to heaven? Would you say, speak to me, Lord? You don't have to pray it out loud. Speak to me, Lord. I'm going to listen. Ask God to speak to you today. Tell him you're going to listen. And then try to hear from him what he has to say. God, we're listening. So many of us desperately need to hear from you today. Speak to us, Lord, we're listening. We ask these things in Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. Galatians chapter 5, starting in verse 16, ending in verse 25, says this. It's Paul writing to the churches in a region of Galatia, what is today western Turkey. He says, so I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh, for the flesh desires what's contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh, they are in conflict with each other, so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. The acts of the flesh are obvious, sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambitions, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. If you've ever wanted a list of things not to do, there they are. Don't do those. Um, Verse 22 says this, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, it's joy, it's peace, it's forbearance, which means patience. It's kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control against such things. There is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Today we're going to talk about spiritual fruit. You say, why are we talking about spiritual fruit? We are talking about spiritual fruit because the Holy Spirit 
if you are a Christian, talks to you about spiritual fruit every day. The Holy Spirit's goal in your life is to produce these things in your life. He has never stopped talking to you about these nine areas. And what we're going to learn today is the condition of your spiritual fruit. The condition of your fruit can show you where you are ignoring the Holy Spirit. Because if you are a Christian and you are not patient, I promise you every day the Holy Spirit is saying, be more patient. Be more patient. If you're a Christian who's not patient, it's because you are ignoring the Holy Spirit in that area. We're also going to see areas where we hear, number two, the Holy Spirit. Areas where we know there are things we need to get better. We've just not started doing them yet. But we hear God talk to us a lot about these areas. As a matter of fact, when we ran across the list, you probably saw one that you thought, I need to work on that. That wasn't you thinking, I need to work on that. That was the Holy Spirit saying, you need to work on that. You just thought you thought that, but the Holy Spirit actually put that thought in your head. And then we're going to find areas where we listen to the Holy Spirit. We're going to read areas where Christians should look like Jesus, and you're going to think, I look like Jesus in that area. Here's what the Bible says. There's nothing good that lives in people before they meet Jesus. So if you are really loving as a Christian, it's because the Holy Spirit has convinced you to become that. If you have learned to have great self-control as a Christian, it's because the Holy Spirit has convinced you of that. We can learn by looking at the condition of our spiritual fruit, where we are ignoring the Holy Spirit, where we are hearing the Holy Spirit, where we are actually listening to and obeying the Holy Spirit by looking at three key thoughts on spiritual fruit. Why is this so important? Because seeing the development of our spiritual fruit is going to teach us about the development of our spiritual ears. The fruit is not just about what you see. It's going to show you what you hear and whether or not you're listening to God. Here are three things you need to know about spiritual fruit this morning. Thought number one, you need to know this. Every Christian has every seed of the spiritual fruit in their life. Galatians 5 says the Holy Spirit has only one tree, but that tree produces nine different types of fruit. Can you imagine if you could produce that in a laboratory, how many of those you could sell? You could become a global billionaire at once if you could produce a tree that would grow apples and oranges and kiwi and everything else you can imagine. One tree that produces nine fruit. Galatians 5.22, if you have your Bible open, I want you to circle this word. says, but the fruit, circle the word fruit or underline it. It doesn't say fruits. It doesn't say fruits. It says the fruit of the Spirit. What the Spirit looks like in your life is nine things. This term fruit, the New Testament was originally written in Greek, not English. So this word in the Greek language is a term that's singular, not plural. If you are a Christian, you have all nine of these fruit as seeds in your life. You look at those and you think, I'm some of those, but not all of those. No, if you are a Christian... You have all nine of those seeds already planted in your life. And here's my spiritual longing. I wish we were all like Adam. That's what I wish for me. That's what I wish for you. You say, who's Adam? His wife was named Eve. He grew up in a garden, right? You know who Adam and Eve are. He played with a bunch of animals. Adam and Eve. I love to talk to people about how old the earth is because no one really knows. I mean, to be really honest with you. Um, If you just look at the dates that the Bible gives you, it appears that mankind, as dated in Scripture, has been around for 10,000 years. Science will say billions of years. You say, Christian, which is it? I don't know. We'll have to ask God one day. But I love talking about the different kind of theories of creation. And one of those theories of creation of why could things look different ages is this, natural maturity versus created maturity. You say, what do you mean natural maturity versus created maturity? Well, when Adam was 60 seconds old, natural maturity. He was a full-grown man, his created maturity. If you would have looked at Adam, you would have not said, he's a minute old. 
you would have said he's 50. He's 60. God didn't plant seeds according to Genesis. He created trees. How old does a full-grown tree look? Hundreds of years old? Thousands of years old? How old does a full-grown mountain look naturally, scientifically? Thousands of years old? Tens of thousands of years old? There's this created maturity versus natural maturity. So I like to talk to people about this kind of stuff. You know, how old were things when they were created? And could things look older than they really are? Adam did. Another question I like to ask was, did Adam have a belly button? Because he didn't have a mom. Neither of those questions mean anything spiritually. They just mess with people's minds. So they're fun to talk about from time to time. I wish we were all like Adam. I wish the minute we responded to Jesus and said, yes, I want to become a follower of Jesus, that the minute we decided that we became fully loving, fully joyful, fully peaceful, fully patient, fully kind, fully good, fully faithful, fully gentle, completely filled with self-control. I wish the minute we became Christians, we were fully mature. But it doesn't happen that way. We know that you cannot become a Christian without having the Holy Spirit poured generously into your life. Remember our salvi splash that we looked at when you become a Christian? It's because God pours the Holy Spirit over your life. But you don't mature spiritually unless you fight to develop your fruit. You have all these seeds in you, but you have to fight for your fruit. Say that phrase, fight for your fruit. You got to fight for your fruit. Look at Galatians 5, 16 and 17. Here's what it says. So I say, walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh, that's you before you were a Christian, desires what's contrary to the spirit, you as a Christian, and the spirit what's contrary to the flesh. They're in conflict with each other. They're fighting so that you don't always do what you want to do. Paul said, there is a fight inside your soul and you have to fight for your fruit. You have to fight to become who God wants you to become. God has designed you to become loving and joyful and peaceful and patient and kind and good and faithful and gentle and to have self-control, but you have to fight for your fruit because it doesn't happen overnight and it doesn't happen by saying one prayer. You got to fight for your fruit. Paul says it this way in Philippians chapter 2 about fighting spiritually to develop. He says, therefore, my dear friends, speaking to the church at Philippi, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. We do not have to fight to become Christians, but we have to fight to look like Jesus in our fruit. We have to fight for our fruit. Every Christian has every seed of the Holy Spirit and spiritual fruit in them, but we have to fight to develop that fruit because of thought number two. There are some Christians in the room today who only have the trees of spiritual fruit in their life. They've got some trees that have grown. They've got some spiritual stuff growing in their life. They've even got some spiritual strength in their life. They just don't have fruit. Many of the Jews in Jesus' time had religion, but it was religion that couldn't be reaped. You say, what do you mean by that? I mean, it it had no fruit on it. In Matthew chapter 21, we see Jesus ride into Jerusalem on what we celebrate as Palm Sunday. He went into the temple and kind of cleared out the temple because he said, you have trees without fruit. You've got all this spiritual stuff, but you don't look anything like me. He left town on the next day. He went back in and it says in Matthew 21, 18 and 19. Now in the morning, as he returned to the city, he was hungry and seeing a fig tree by the road, he came to it and found nothing on it but leaves. And he said to it, let no fruit grow on you ever again. Immediately the fig tree withered away. It was a picture of Israel. 
who looked like they had all this spiritual stuff going for them, but they had no fruit of the Spirit in their life. And there are too many Christians who grow strong in spiritual areas, but they stop short of producing spiritual fruit. They got a lot of trees in their life spiritually, but there's not much fruit hanging off of those trees to make you look like Jesus. You say, how do you know that? Let me ask you a question. Do you know any Christians who don't look like Jesus? Don't look at them if they're sitting beside you. Just like shake your head. Have you ever met a Christian? Have you ever met a Christian who's not loving? Have you ever met a Christian who's not joyful? Have you ever met a Christian who's not at peace? Have you ever met a Christian who's not patient with you? Have you ever met a Christian who's not kind? They're not even a nice person. Have you ever met a Christian who's not good? Have you ever met a Christian who's not faithful? They're a terrible employee. They're not faithful. They're a terrible boss. They're not faithful. They're a terrible teammate. You cannot count on them. But they're a Christian. Have you ever met a Christian who's not gentle? Have you ever met a Christian who doesn't have self-control? Those are Christians who might be developing some trees in their life, but they don't have fruit yet. I was a youth pastor for 10 years. I had a lot of students who worked as servers in restaurants, and they would tell me, Pastor Christian, we hate when they schedule us on Sunday. Not because we don't mind missing church every now and then, but because the people who come in after they've been at church are the rudest and cheapest people that we serve all week long. We hate working on Sundays because the church crowd is meaner and cheaper than anyone else that we serve during the week. Christians who have trees, but they don't have all the fruit. We have to fight to develop fruit. The good thing is we have a tag team partner in this fight. I grew up in southern Ohio, in the woods of southern Ohio, which means I'm a redneck. If you're a redneck, there are several things you do, like chew tobacco. One of them is watch wrestling. So I grew up chewing tobacco with my farming friends and watching WWF wrestling, Hulk Hogan, the junkyard dog, right, Andre the Giant. But wrestling got real exciting when it was time for the tag team wrestlers. And the greatest tag team in the history of the WWF, if you disagree with me, you can take it up with them, was the Legion of Doom in their gold shoulder pads with their little spiky deals. In tag team wrestling, you would go as long as you can. And when you couldn't go anymore, you would tag in your other partner and he would jump in and take over the match for you. And at some point, all four of them ended up in the ring. And it was, it was just awesome if you're a redneck. And I was. So that's what I grew up watching. You have to fight for your fruit. Here's the good news. The Holy Spirit also fights for you to produce spiritual fruit. You fight for your fruit, but the Holy Spirit fights to produce spiritual fruit. So every now and then you tag out, you tag out he tags in, and he fights for you. You say, where does the Bible say that? Look at verse 17. Keep your pen handy. I might teach you something that perhaps you didn't know. Paul says, for the flesh desires what's contrary to the Spirit. See that the S is capitalized here? If you've got a good Bible, every time Father, Son, Spirit is capitalized, it's referring to God. So when this says the Spirit, capital S, it means the Holy Spirit. God, the Holy Spirit in you. For the flesh desires what's contrary to the flesh, but the Holy Spirit, for the flesh desires what's contrary to the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit, what is contrary to the flesh, they are in conflict. The Holy Spirit is fighting with your old life for you. The Holy Spirit is fighting for you to look like Jesus. The Holy Spirit is your tag team partner. He fights for you to not be a tree that doesn't have fruit. Jesus told the disciples he'd fight for them when they didn't produce fruit. He said, I'm not done with you. I'm going to keep fighting for you. In Luke chapter 13, he told this parable. A man had a fig tree growing in his vineyard. And he went to look for fruit on it, but he didn't find any. 
So he said to the man who took care of the vineyard, for three years now I've been coming to look for fruit on this fig tree. I haven't found any. Cut it down. Why should it use up the soil? Sir, the man replied, leave it alone for one more year. I'll dig around it. I'll fertilize it. If it bears fruit next year, fine. If not, then you can cut it down. Jesus says, I know you haven't been bearing fruit, but give me, give me a year. Spend a year with me. Let me kind of sow into your spirit. Let me water your spirit. I promise I can help you make these seeds grow. You say, man, if we're fighting and the Holy Spirit is fighting, how can a Christian not bear spiritual fruit? Here's one of the key thoughts today. Spiritual fruit that is absent comes from spiritual areas that are ignored. Spiritual fruit that is absent comes from spiritual areas that are ignored. I promise you, every day of your life, the Holy Spirit is speaking to you about these areas. Be more loving. Be more joyful. Be more peaceful. Be more patient. You need to be nice. You need to be better. You need to be more faithful. You need to be more gentle. You need to have more self-control. I promise you, because the Bible says every day the Holy Spirit is speaking to you about those areas. If you are not those things, it's because you've stopped listening. You have a listening problem, not a life problem. You've chosen to turn off the Holy Spirit in that area. Now, every now and then, I'll meet people who will say this. I'm just not that way. Like my family for generations. That's not who my grandpa was. That's not who my daddy was. I'm just not that way. I'm just not a very loving person. I love Jesus and all, but I'm just not a very loving person. I'm just not very joyful. I'm happy on the inside, but my family never tells their face. You know, you would just never know. I'm just kind of an anxious person. I'm always filled with anxiety. You know, I, I like to be patient, but I've always got things to do. I'd like to be nice, but I am so driven for what God has called me to accomplish. I'd like to be faithful to the things of God. I've just got a lot going on. I would like to meet more gent- lead more gentle, but, I, but I'm a leader and I have to lead strong or no one will follow. I'd like to have more self-control. I've just kind of always struggled with that. I'm, I'm just not those things. Here's why you can't say that if you're a Christian. As a Christian, you can't say, I'm just not anything. Because as a Christian, you're just not you. As a Christian, you're, you're just not you. In Galatians 2.20, Paul said, you were no longer you. You were him. So you have to act like him. Paul said, I've been crucified with Christ. And I no longer live. But Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. You say, I'm just not that way. If you're a Christian, you're just not you. You're him. He lives in you. And this is who he is. So if you are his and he is yours and he is in you, this is what comes out of you. It's a very easy thing to see. As a Christian, here's what you need to understand. You're not allowed to not be fruitful. There's no excuse. You're not allowed to not be fruitful. I don't care how your dad and your granddad were. You're not allowed to not be fruitful. You say, I've got some spiritual things. I go to church every week. Awesome. I read my Bible and know a lot of the Bible. That's great. I've got this big tree of Christian music. It's all I listen to on my radio. Fantastic. I go to Bible study in small group. Awesome. I know the Ten Commandments. Good for you. If none of those things are leading to you becoming loving and joyful and peaceful and patient and kind and good and faithful and gentle and self-controlled. Those are trees with no fruit. They're worthless to Jesus. And they don't do much for anyone else in your life either. All of our spiritual activity has to lead to an activation of who Jesus is inside of us so the world will see Jesus from us. See, to be spirit-filled or to be spiritual is to be fruitful. To be spiritual is to be fruitful. 
say, how do I know if somebody is spiritual? Look at their fruit. You know, my husband every morning gets up at 5 a.m. and he reads his Bible. He's spiritual, right? I don't know. Tell me about his fruit. My wife goes to church every Sunday. She serves in the children's ministry. She's spiritual, right? I don't know. Tell me about her fruit. My kids go to youth group every Wednesday night. They love it. Are they, are they spiritual people? I don't know. Tell me about their fruit. The pastor and staff at your church, they've got to be spiritual people, right? I don't know. Tell me about their fruit. Because to be spiritual is to be fruitful. And to be fruitless, well, if you're fruitless, you're spiritless. And if you're spiritless, according to the Bible, you're not really a Christian. We can't merely have religion. They can't be reaped. We can't have trees without fruit. Which leads us to truth number three. That means all Christians should desire that their lives produce all of the spiritual fruit. All Christians should desire that their lives produce all of the spiritual fruit. You say, how, how is that even possible? The Holy Spirit. Remember, we've been talking in this series. The primary role of the Holy Spirit in your life is to make you more like Jesus. You say, how, how's he going to make me more like Jesus? He has nine things on his task list. He's going to make you more loving. He's going to make you more joyful. He's going to make you more peaceful. He's going to make you more patient. He's going to make you more kind. He's going to make you more good. He's going to make you more faithful. He's going to make you more gentle. He's going to give you more self-control by whispering those things into your ear and into your heart constantly. He's going to change who you were to who you're supposed to be becoming. He's going to make you look more like Jesus. This is the role of the Holy Spirit. It's the goal of the Holy Spirit. 1 Thessalonians 4.3 says it this way. It's the will of God. This is the will of God, your sanctification. It's a big spiritual word, sanctification. This is the will of God. If you are a Christian, by the way, if you're not a Christian, thanks for being with us today. You can always come to church here, ask questions, hang out with us, see what Christianity is all about. If you're not a Christian, I don't want to not speak to you. I hope you're learning what Christianity is. I hope if you're not a Christian, you'll go tell your Christian friends, you should be better at these things. I know because I went to church and I heard the pastor say, like, feel free to use anything that I say. But if you're a Christian... This is the will of God for your life, your sanctification. You say, what is sanctification? Here's the definition of sanctification. It's the process and the result of being made holy by the continual and complete setting apart of your life to the purposes of God through the practice and the power of the Holy Spirit. Leave that up there for a minute, guys, if you would. Every Christian has experienced salvation. But every Christian is undergoing sanctification. If you're a Christian, you've experienced salvation. You probably have a time in your life where you responded to the gospel and said, yes, I want to follow Jesus. That was then. What's now? Sanctification. Every Christian every day is constantly going through this process. So this result will happen. You'll look more like Jesus. How? By completely setting apart more things in your life to the purposes of God through the practice and the power of the Holy Spirit. What are those things? The fruit. The fruit. My question for you is, how's this process going? How's the process of sanctification going in your life? And some of you are saying, how do I answer the question? The fruit. The fruit. It's why I've put in your bulletin. Or if you're following along on your app notes, it's why I put a link on your apps this spiritual fruit assessment, which really is the power of this message. If you do this in the next week or two, this message is going to have a lot of impact in your life. If you throw this away on the way out the door, you might remember one or two things. But if you will take this assessment 
on the spiritual fruit. If you will do what 2 Corinthians 13.5 says. Have you ever read 2 Corinthians 13.5? It's a phenomenal verse. It says, examine yourselves. Take a test spiritually. Examine yourselves to see whether you're in the faith. Test yourselves. Don't you realize that Christ Jesus is in you? Unless, of course, he's not. So how do I know? The fruit. Examine yourselves, Paul said, and make sure the fruit is in your life. Because if you do, you'll be able to see where God's working in your life unless you see that he's not working in your life. And maybe he's not even in your life. But this fruit assessment has to be developed more than just what you think. Because I have learned to really see who we are and hear where God is speaking. There are multiple levels to this. So let me give you the levels of this and how this can work. The Holy Spirit's goal for you, obviously, is all tens. He wants you to look like Jesus. That's his goal every day. How can I help you look more like Jesus in this area? His goal for you is a 10 on a scale of 1 to 10 every week. So my question for you is, what do you look like on a normal day? If tomorrow's a normal day, not great, not bad, normal day, how loving are you? How joyful are you? How peaceful are you? How patient are you? How kind and good? How faithful? How gentle? How much self-control? On a scale of 1 to 10, where would you rate yourself? On a, on a normal day. That's where most of us stop that doesn't even scratch the surface. Where are you on your best day? I have found that most people rate themselves higher on their best day than a normal day, which means this. Your ears are more open to God when things are going well. Remember, these are listening activities, not learning activities. If I am more of this on my best day, it is because on my best day, somehow my heart is more open to God because I only become these by listening to him. So if I do these better on this day, it's because my heart is more open to him. The next two columns are the scary ones. Where are you on your worst days? And where are you when you're under stress? Because I'm reading a devotional right now by Tim Keller through the book of Proverbs. And earlier this year in February, he says you can't really get anything out of fruit unless you squeeze it. And only when you squeeze it do you get what's inside of it. And you can never squeeze an orange and have apple juice come out, which means this. Who you are on your worst day and who you are under stress, that's who you really are. Your fruit on your worst day and your fruit when you're under stress, that's who you really are spiritually. When I said that in the 8 a.m., someone said out loud, that sucks. Like it was like a reverse of amen. (laughs) It's like I said that. He's like, that sucks. And I was like... Yeah, you're right. It, I mean, it does. That's, it's like a reverse amen. But it's true. It's true. If this is who we really are, not only do we have some growth areas, but we have some recognition. It means on our worst day, we never listen to what God has to say to us. It means somehow when we're under stress, we turn the volume down on the Holy Spirit because we only stop becoming these things when we stop listening. And if on our worst day and most stressful day, we look less like Jesus, it's because on those days, we don't pay any attention to the Holy Spirit. We've learned to turn the volume down. If you're married, you should ask your spouse to assess you. Hey, tell me what you see. If you're not married, you should ask a great friend. What do you see? If you have kids, you should ask your kids, hey, what do you see? If you work for someone... And you're brave enough to say, hey, my goal this year is to be one of the best employees you've had by trying to look more like Jesus. How do you see these things in my life? If you trust them enough to ask you, they'll tell you what they see. If you're a boss, you might ask your employees, hey, how do I lead? My goal in 2019 is to be like, the, like a, a leader who looks more like Jesus. So how do you see me in these areas? 
If you work with someone on a daily basis, you might ask your coworkers, hey, my goal is to be a better coworker, to serve you better this year. I want to be a better Christian. So can you tell me how you think I'm doing in these areas? If you're a teacher, maybe you could ask a student or two. If you're a coach, maybe you could ask one of your players. I had an eye-opening experience last Sunday. Some of you know that I coach football at Summit Christian Academy where my son plays last Friday night. We played in the district championship against Holden High School. We played really good. We won. It was a great game. It was freezing, um, but it was a great game. On Sunday morning, I'm walking off the stage, and one of the men in our church comes to me. He's waiting on me. I talk to people after church, and he said, I need you to pray for me and my boy. And I said, why? And he said, we suffered a devastating loss on Friday. I said, oh, I'm sorry. Um, who's your son play for? And he said, Holden. And I thought, ooh. Um, and here's what immediately went through my head. This kid was on a football field with me during 48 minutes of high school football. Immediately, I started thinking, did I do anything to embarrass myself or the church? Like, he knew I was a pastor. I didn't know he went to our church as he was playing on this field. And sometimes in the spirit of competition, I don't look a lot like Jesus. So I had to, like, just roll through my head. It was like, Lord, did I do anything to embarrass myself or the church? And, I, and we played good, so it was like, I just kind of, it's like, no, I think I was okay. But right after the re- relief came the rebuke. Because I felt like God said, hang on, show me the verse that says when you're competing, you don't have to look like me. Help me understand from the Bible where when you are on the field of competition, you get to look less like me. Because the greatest competitor in the history of the world hung on a cross and died for you under conditions you'll never experience in your life. And he looked like who he was. So God rebuked me and said, help me understand why you don't have to have fruit when you're competing. And I said, I got it. I got it. Sometimes I don't hear the Holy Spirit when I'm competing. Like, Lord, that was past interference. I don't care. Be gentle. (laughs) Lord, that kid's an idiot. Be nice. Be kind. Right? Sometimes it's hard. It's like I've got some areas in my life where I turn the volume way down because I'm not as full of Jesus as I should be. And this kind of helps us understand that. If I was you, what I would do, I wouldn't give anyone this chart because they'll look at what other people say about you more than probably they think. But I would ask these people. I would send these people a text message and say, my goal is to look more like Jesus next year. So I'm asking a few people to just tell me what they think. I'd send it to some friends. I'd fill out the first few levels by myself. And then as they sent the list back, I would fill it in. And I would learn where I listen. I'd learn when I listen. I'd learn who I'm really good spiritually around and who I never look like Jesus around. And I would learn through this little exercise, examine yourself, test yourself. I would learn how I listen, when I listen, where I listen, I see this as a listening exercise, not a learning exercise. I would learn when I'm listening to the Holy Spirit. Because here's the goal of Christianity. The reality is this. If what's in you doesn't come out of you when you're squeezed, you are mistaken about what's in you. Because what's in you does come out of you when you're squeezed. And Paul says this in Galatians 5.25. It's where he leaves us after telling us to walk in the Spirit. He says, since we live by the Spirit... Since we're only alive spiritually because the Holy Spirit has been dumped into your life, since we live by him, make sure you're walking with him. Since you're alive by him, since he's been poured into your life, make sure he's coming out when life squeezes you the hardest. My goal from this series is that you would learn to hear from him. 
Learn where you listen really well. Learn where you turn the volume down. Learn where you ignore. Learn where you need to start hearing and obeying. Because learning about our spiritual fruit can teach us a lot about how we listen and when and where we struggle to hear. And if we can begin to do some spiritual work in those areas, we can capture the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Let me ask you three questions before we finish. Question one is this, where are you failing? As you look at these fruit, where are you failing? All the seed is in you. Where are you failing? And listen, where are you failing because you're failing to hear? You're not failing because, well, that's just not who I am. No, no, no. You're failing because you're failing to hear. Because I promise you, every day Jesus is saying, be nice, be loving, be faithful, have self-control. It's what he does to make us look like Jesus. He talks to us. Where are you failing because you're failing to hear? When are you failing? When are you failing because you choose to tune out? Most of us are pretty good at hearing at church. Do you never hear at work? Most of us are pretty good at hearing at church. Do you never hear when you're playing golf with your buddies? When are you failing because those are places you just ignore the Holy Spirit? And then finally, what is God saying to you today? And what are you going to do about it? We started this message by praying and saying, speak to me, Lord, I'm listening. Did he speak to you? What did he say? What are you going to do about it? Can we pray as we consider those questions?